The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call, from computer coder to best-selling author, Adam Dries is here to tell us how he programmed that amazing life change. Then, actress-director Lily Melgar gets off of her soapbox to talk about her new project that includes directing for Madonna. That's what's coming up today on Crawl Call. Welcome to another episode of Kroll Call. I am your host. I am the big turkey. I am Dan Kroll. Thank you so much for joining us this week. It is, okay, get ready for this. It is Friday, November 20th. That means we only have one more Friday left in November before we're almost ready to wrap up the year. I am not entirely sure where 2015 has gone. I think I've just gotten used to writing 2015, and soon I'm going to be trying to remember to write 2016 on things, particularly checks. It looks bad when you're writing the wrong year on checks, if you write checks anymore. I'm probably one of the few people who does that. Everything is now electronic. I do have to say, speaking of, of things that are coming up, more a little more current than 2016, next week, because it is Black Friday, this is the day after Thanksgiving, you know that we do a special show every year. This year, we've got something that should be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking to the folks who make this show possible, all of the behind-the-scenes folks who help me out, making sure that each and every week we have a wonderful episode of Crawl Call for you. And because we like to do a little bit of the music twist on the holidays, we also are going to be asking them to pick a song that is their biggest earworm. The song that once it gets in their head, they are singing it all day. They're in the shower. They're driving people nuts with it. I can't wait to hear what people are picking. There are, uh, I say this with love, but there are some very unique and uh, wonderful people who are a part of this show. And they're very diverse. So I can't wait to hear what songs they pick. That's coming up next week. It's Friday, November 27th. That sounds so far away, but it's not. That's next week. I'm hoping that you enjoy that. And then, of course, within a couple of weeks, we'll be doing our big year-in-review shows over the Christmas and New Year's weeks. Can't wait to see what we talk about in terms of what our highlights are for the year. So that's coming up. I've got to say, I've got to put out a little APB here at the top of the show. Someone has stolen all of my pens. I don't know where they are. I was trying to make notes for today's show. I came back to my desk and I have like 15 pens. They're all gone. 
and I'm the only one that has access to my office. So I'm not entirely sure what to make of that. I'm sure I've put them somewhere. Maybe I was sleepwalking. I don't know, but you know, that's the case. If you're listening, please chat along with us on Twitter. At Curl Call Show is the Twitter account for this show. You can also tweet me directly at Dan J. Kroll. I like to poke around, read what you guys are saying while we're talking here, and you know maybe read some of your comments or if you have questions for our guests, reading them on the air. But with that, I think that it's time to bring on our first guest because my first guest, it's kind of an interesting story here, but went from writing programs for computers to writing a wildly popular book series. Adam Dries is here today to explain what steampunk is and then to tell us about the Yellow Hoods series. I think you're all going to want to listen to this because these are going to be something that you want to add to your holiday shopping list. So without further ado, Adam, welcome to Crawl Call. Thank you very much. This is amazing. I'm so glad to have you here. If for no other reason than for this first question, programming computers, what is the first computer you ever owned? Take us way back in time, and I'll admit what mine was. Well, you know what? It was a IBM XT compatible. All my friends had, you know, Commodores, and I wanted one of those so badly. But my dad decided we were going to get our first computer, and it was not going to really support games. It was going to have wonderful four colors where one of those could be black, and that's where I started. So I started with a lot of kind of, I guess, computer envy of my friends. <laughs> I had an Apple IIc, uh, way back, uh, it was actually portable before computers were thought to be portable, um, and then it was at a time when Apple wasn't really doing well. <laughs> the kids are like, what? Apple wasn't doing well. Yes, yes, uh, Apple wasn't doing good at one time, and eventually I had to transfer over to an IBM compatible as well, but uh, that's when I was doing all sorts of like programming and basic and stuff like that, and for you... Uh, you know, I don't know if this is the same case, so please don't allow me to sort of lump you in there. But for me, I found that creative people sort of have a tendency to get their start doing things as a result of needing to solve a problem that they have or, you know, needing to find a better way to do something that they're already doing. You became involved in computer programming because of, if I'm not mistaken, something Dungeons and Dragons. Am I right? Am I close? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I, um, Let's see, I had, a, I had an interest in, in programming, but like you said, you know, I'm one of those people, particularly being dyslexic, I kind of need a goal to focus on that I will be able to bring into the world. And so my friends always had me as the dungeon master, which meant that they all got to play individual characters, as if in a movie, and I had to be the rest of the universe and all the plot <laughs> and everything. And okay. to manage that, um, I started writing some programs. And um, that really got me into, uh, into it. I, I was programming in BASIC, um, and my programs got more and more complex, and I reached that point, you know, where you just can't keep the whole thing in your head, and then you're realizing you have to make notes. Jesus, this is crazy. How come I can't remember every single line of code? But really, that's where it originated. So, yeah, you're bang on. It was, it was my original role-playing game supplement. I remember f back in the days, they used to have uh, paperback books with uh, code where you could go in and like, I guess it was basic, but you'd be able to either copy their code and would also come in the back with a floppy disk where you could put it in your computer and maybe mm -hmm. uh, adapt the code. And that's how I learned way back in the day to do uh, to do programming it was basically looking what other people were doing and then fiddling around with the code to see if I could make it do what I wanted it to do. Um, I kind of do that with a lot of other stuff, I have to be honest. 
Well, you know what? I, I was very much the same way. Unfortunately, all the programming books that I could find in those stores that I would pick up, they were all written, I guess, for a version of BASIC that was for that classic TRS-80. And so only about a third of the stuff would work. And then I ended up discovering that one of my close friends that I'd met when I was seven, and he was um, three years older than me, and he had an older brother, one year older than him, and they'd become close friends of mine, um, I'd realized when I was getting into later elementary school, that actually he'd started really programming, and he showed me some of his stuff one day, uh, kind of opening up a new part of his life to me. And I saw, in my mind at that time, the most amazing stuff. He'd made a chess game and whatnot. And he became a bit of a mentor, and he started lending me these official technical manuals, which I couldn't make heads or tails out of. You know, It would talk about you know, one particular command and and. What were the arguments? Well, as far as I was concerned, arguments were what you had when you disagreed with somebody, <laughs> not like information you passed in. And so I would dissect, like you were saying, I would just rip apart those examples. Um, and then when I was 17, he died of a brain tumor. Mm. And it really served as a bit of an inspiration for me, uh, particularly the way that I found out. I didn't find out until about two months after he passed away. Um, and that really kind of pegged it in my head that I wanted to go off and kind of do justice to that memory. Um, and this was at a time where, you know, being a, a software developer wasn't, wasn't cool. It was pre-Facebook, even pre-Microsoft kind of really hitting its full height and stride. Um, and I kind of pegged that in my head and said, yeah, you know what, this is what I want to do. Um, and it was funny because for me, programming... And at the same time, running D&D games or writing stories, all three of these were really expressing the exact same thing. And it actually didn't clue into that until an interview about four or five years ago when um, I had a president of a company interview me. And he says to me, he said, you know, what are you about at the core? You know, most technologists are about the technology. And I looked at them, I said, you know what? I'm an ideas guy. And whether it's technology or, or anything else, it's just really about making that real. And I find that to be even more true today now that, you know, I'm a full-time writer. So in a lot of ways, where I kind of started connects right up to where I am now. Well, you mentioned that. I mean, you're going from writing code, which is writing and, and programming. It's just it's not, you know, the, the words that we tend to think of when we're writing. So how do you go from doing computer programming and writing that to writing in a more traditional format. How did that process, how did that segue take place? Well, you know, it was funny. Um, when I was uh, going to university, um, you know, I, I was doing writing on the side. And like a lot of people, you know, life kind of just went by, and I didn't do anything with it. I hoped that maybe one day I would be an author. I, one day I would make the time in life. And so, you know, I went to the University of Waterloo, which is uh, one of Canada's top universities for computer science. Um, got my minor in philosophy, and um, I, I focused. I did the responsible thing, right? Like a lot of people, you know, you, you, you take care of your bills or you're building your career or you've got to put things first. Um, and then I had two medical events that really knocked me more than sideways, and that which I can get into in a minute, if you like, that is really what, coming out of it, I said, you know what, I need to make writing front and center. There is no more maybe one day. It's got to be now. It's kind of like the put up or shut up. Right? Do you think that had these events, had these medical situations not taken place, that you would have had that awakening? 
you know what? I've, I've thought a lot about it. I mean, you know, what I went through, um, I went through a bad appendix situation that left me um, almost crippled for, for 15 months in terms of horrific pain. Wow. And then having had massive scar tissue uh, cut out, it left me with, um, with chronic pain, which is manageable, and then getting hit with severe asthma and then coming back from that. You know, it's given me a lot of time to think. And honestly, I think, I hope, you know, in some parallel universe out there, the other me that didn't go through that eventually figures it out, but probably well into his 50s or, you know, maybe his 60s, that he should do this. Um, for me, that all got accelerated. So, I, you know what, I honestly don't know. It's one of those things, it's like meeting certain people in your life, right? They kind of nudge you one way, and you take this whole other track, and had you not met them, would you have taken that track? I, I don't know. It's one of the favorite like, things I like to write. It's the what if. And I think the what if, uh, for a lot of people, the what ifs tend to be thought of as negative. You know, what if, what if, what if I fail? Or what if, 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 if I ask this person out and they say no? But the what if doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, I think. They're going, what if can be a good thing. It can be about taking that leap. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the first time I started using this expression of just jumping off the cliff to see if I could fly, um, I was working at one of the largest um, software companies. I was a principal consultant there. I was in their consulting division. And I had got one of those merciless bosses that, you know, when you're back into a corner, they literally say to you, guys in your position can't quit. Um, my dad had just gone through four eye surgeries. My wife was at home with our first kid. A close mentor of mine, after many years, had just died. And this guy thought he had me in a corner. And I quit. I quit with nothing in hand. And um, I ended up taking that leap. And everybody around me is like, you know what, you're going to be able to be an independent contractor. There's not going to be any problem. But inside, I didn't have that confidence. And before my actual last day there, um, I ended up securing something, and then I was, I was off to the races. I realized that, yeah, I can, I can do it. And taking that leap and discovering I could fly, it really, it gave me something that never went away. And so when I went through those medical events after that had happened um, and found myself you know, getting all the way back up to being able to be a right hand on a $100 million project, um, and then this past January, where I took the leap of, I'm going to do this full time, that well, having done it once, you know, it, it just, it was something I could always go back to and say, but I've done this before. I just hmm. got to work hard enough. It sounds like, and folks, they will appreciate this segue, hopefully. It sounds like you were full steam ahead now, which leads me to asking you, what is steampunk? This is a term that I will admit was new to me. Of course, I am probably 10 times out of the, the demographic, but what is steampunk? Well, I think most people would shorthand it as being a Victorian science fiction. Now, in my okay. case, I actually don't have this going on in a, officially a Victorian era. I think the other way to think about it is, you know, think of Jules Verne and think of the, the, the books that he wrote. I kind of think of it as, if I was in the 1800s and I was using my science, you know, my science fiction mind, what kind of things would I come up with? And probably one of the best analogies I can do for people who at that point still aren't quite getting it is, I, I jokingly refer to our current era as microchip punk. 
And that means as soon as we kind of invented the microchip, our imaginations went wild. We came up with these amazing devices. We can walk around and effectively have telepathy called cell phones. And, you know, we can, and we can exchange money without being physically near the person. Um, we can go to the moon, right? We came up with all these kind of inventions based on the technology that time just kind of pushed to its limit. So if you kind of go back to an era when the steam engine is kind of that symbol of power, um, you know, of of a technological innovation doing something impossible, and then you just kind of take some alternate history paths. For me, that's the essence of it. And there's a real romance there about people being more directly involved in their technology, that idea that you can almost just pick up something and turn it into something incredible. Now, some steampunk authors uh, go more on the fantasy side, you know, um, incorporating magic. Um, I leverage my, um, my more software side on trying to be really grounded. I mean, you know, I went from a developer to a software architect. That means I spent almost all my career between people, technology, and change. And I love to bring that grounded sense into what I write. So, so for like- some people, they kind of see it as, Victorian era science fiction. For myself, it's kind of like retro sci-fi. So let's talk about yellow hoods. I've heard of yellow jackets, of course, the bugs. I've heard of little red riding hood. Everyone knows that. I've heard of boys in the hood. I think folks out there are going to be really interested in this, but the yellow hood series is sort of a, I want to say like a twist on fairy tales, maybe kind of the ones that they know. That's my take, but how would you describe it since, I mean, this is your baby? Yeah, well, you know, the Yellow Hoods takes place in the equivalent of the 1800s. It's kind of an alternate history world. And it's got inventors and invention rather than magic at its core. And one of the things that I wanted to do is I really wanted to bring classic fairy tales, which I have a love for. And I've got three kids, and I sing like the Muffin Man to my sons every single night uh, to help them get to sleep. And I wanted those stories to be real, but real in the same way that Ring Around the Rosie was about our Black Plague. So I thought, what if I take other classic rhymes and tales, whether it's Little Riding Hood or whether it's Rub a Dub, and I find a way to make it real, paint that in the background, particularly for the mature reader. And, for example, from Rub-A-Dub-Dub, I created a secret society called The Tub, and that is led by a butcher, a baker, and a candlestick maker. I take apart the idea of Santa Claus, and I've got two brilliant inventors in their twilight years, one named Nicholas Claus, whose spelling and actions are kind of a nod to Tesla, and the other who shows up later on is Christoph Kringle. (laughs) And, you know, it's that idea that Throughout human history, we always find simple ways, whether they're stories, they're songs, they're, they're rhymes, of remembering real, complex things. And I kind of reverse-engineered that and laid that in my stories. If you don't know Little Red Riding Hood, you don't know Hansel and Gretel, um, you don't know uh, Beauty and the Beast, you can still read and fully enjoy these stories. But if you do know those, then you'll see a lot of nods to elements of those stories, where you could see, hey, wait a minute, if this was the real thing that happened, now I see how hundreds of years later, we would have that simplistic story. Do you follow? I do, I do. Um, one of the things that I, I wanted to make sure that I asked you, you know, we talked about the jumping off the cliff to see if you could fly. According to your no. bio, though, it says that it was your daughter who nudged you over the threshold to actually consider writing this. What was this nudging? What did your daughter say or do to make you (laughs) convinced that this is what you needed to do? Well, you know what? I talked about um, those medical events 
and um, you know the appendix surgery um, that ultimately I ended up with chronic pain from, and six months after that, I got hit with severe asthma. And so for three years, every story I tried to write was kind of poisoned by what I went through. And so I spent three years, and I wrote a memoir called Refusing to Stay Down that is still unpublished. Um, I, I went through two rounds of editing, and um, November, I think it's November 23rd, 2013, I sat down with my wife, and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put this aside. I don't feel that I'm strong enough at that point as a, as a writer to make this as distilled down as it needs to be, kind of like go from 450 pages to 280. That would be kind of like the goal, if I put it in numbers. And so I decided I was going to make writing front and center. And my wife and I discussed, you know, the kind of the, the things she had on her plate, and we made sure that we could be right behind each other for, um, for the things we wanted to go forward, because it was one of those opportunities in life where you realize you could start kind of drifting away just by what uh, side projects you have going on. And so I started working on two books. One was a nonfiction book, and one was a fiction book. And I got myself really organized. I got a new piece of software that I was going to use to write, and I just couldn't. And I just realized, geez, I, I can't get hyper-organized. I'm not that guy, you know. Um, I've, got a, I've got a nonlinear writing process. I, I jump back and forth. I can't follow someone else's process. And when I was stuck, my daughter said to me, um, on January 4th, 2014, um, she said, Hey, Dad, listen, since you're not really going forward on that other story, could you write The Hoods? And that came from um, a couple of times when she had trouble sleeping. Um, she had just turned 10 at that point. I sat down um, with the lights off, and I'd taken some classic fairy tales and just made them completely ridiculous. For example, I had this little wolf who was getting terrorized by these three pigs, and he went to this granny's house for help, that kind of stuff. And, you know, just all kinds of hilarity ensues. And so I sat down, and I started trying to write that story. But, you know, you can sometimes tell the story one way, and then when you start writing, all the other elements of yourself come forward. And so the first book of The Yellow Hoods, Along Came a Wolf, kind of started coming out. And then I started realizing, hey, wait a minute. I've got a whole series in mind here. And this actually could lead up to that fiction book I was trying to write in the first place. Um, and the story came out really quickly. And, um, you know, my, my daughter has been there in this entire process over the, the four books, because recently, I, a couple of weeks ago, I released book four, Beauties of the Beast. Um, she, you know... In the beginning, she would read all of the, the, the rough drafts, and then I, you know, we made it kind of a her and me thing where I would sit down and, and read them to her, and she would give feedback. And she was not even the beta reader, not really even alpha. She's, you know, she was closer to the process than that. And it was wonderful to see how we could have this storyline that was part of us and how you know, every now and then we'll just talk about random parts of what might happen in the future. So her just saying, hey, Dad, you know, you're stuck. Why don't you write this? That was that initial nudge. And then she's been, you know, along with my wife, my, my two biggest supporters um, from that point. And um, actually that transitions to, a, to a, a bit of a funny story. I was two weeks into writing the first book. And having already thought about either going indie or, or traditional and figuring with my entrepreneurial um, background and whatnot, I would really want to go indie. My wife actually signed me up for um, 
the waiting list for Calgary Expo. Now, those not familiar with it, it's, a, it's our Comic-Con type event here in Calgary. It is absolutely amazing. It's April every year. Um, I think they had probably more than 100,000 uh, attendants uh, last year, or sorry, last year, this year. And um, so I kind of laughed at my wife. It's like, are you, are you, you know, taunting me? Or are you taunting fate? And she's like, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And so I wrote the story, and I got it edited by a friend of mine. And about two days later, um, March 6th, we get an email, 10 o'clock at night, saying, hey, listen, do you want the table? And that was a real moment of truth. That was the, are you going to jump off the cliff? We've never put a book together. I had no clue in terms of what was going to be needed from that point on. I mean, you've, you've, got, you've got that manuscript, and it's been edited, and it's not a book yet. What do you do? And my wife said, you know, do we think about doing this? And I looked at her, and I said, you know what? We're going to do this. I have no clue how we're going to do this, but we're going to look back and go, oh, my God, that was insane. And <laughs> we were up all hours. And then when the doors opened to Calgary Expo that Thursday afternoon in mid-April, and I had my copies of the books, I realized my next great challenge was there, which is I had absolutely no clue how to talk to people about my book. And that's when I realized I've now transitioned from being a writer to being an author. And whenever I do the expos locally, my daughter always comes, um, spends a bit of time at a booth with the Yellow Hood and whatnot. Um, and, you know, it's becoming, I guess, more and more as it goes, particularly as my sons grow up, too. It's now becoming kind of the family business, so to speak. I have to say, for someone who started off having no idea how to talk about their book, you've done an amazing job. And proof that you were supposed to be here, that date, that wonderful date that you mentioned earlier, March 6th, just happens to be my birthday. So it was oh. meant to be. <laughs> there we go. It's meant to be. So here's a speed round. We're almost out of time for this segment. A couple of questions that have popped up in my head from things that you've said in this segment that I need to yep. get more information about. So one book that you think everyone should read other than your own. 1984. What's your favorite fairy tale? Oh, um, Aladdin. Would you rather be a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker? The way that I've written it, I would definitely go with the butcher. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite? You've already had it in Canada. We're just about to have it. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? It's got to be my, uh, my wife's homemade pumpkin pie. That sounds tasty. I'd like a slice. And what, finally, what are you most thankful for? You know what? Um, my amazing family. I mean, you know, when my life got turned all upside down um, and I went from being, you know, the primary um, breadwinner to not being able to be upright and moving about for more than an hour or two at a time and having all my energy drained because of pain and from my marriage to get through that strong and healthy. And, you know, we came out of that from going in with one kid to coming out um, with two and then a third afterwards and watching how strong that's been. I wouldn't give that up at all. And so, you know, first I would say my wife and my family. The second is 
and I've been asked this a number of times, I wouldn't give up having gone through that pain. Um, not that I enjoyed it, but it allowed me to boil down who I was and really learn to focus my priorities in a way that I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to. So I know that's not really a speed round answer, but that's no. really what I'm looking for. That was the answer that I think we needed to hear. So before we are out of time for this segment, the other thing that we all need to hear is information about how folks can follow you on social media, where they can go for website information, and, of course, where they can go to pick up copies of the Yellow Hood series. Well, on Twitter, you can find me as at Adam Dries. Adam is A-D-A-M, and Dries is D-R-E-E-C-E. You can also find me on Facebook as Adam.Dries, or you can join the fan page of The Yellow Hoods. Um, I also have a blog. You can follow my antics there, AdamDries.com. And in terms of uh, the books, you can look them up at TheYellowHoods.com, AdamDries.com slash books. But they're also available at Amazon, iBooks, Kobo, and if you're in Canada, you can also pick up copies at Indigo. They're available also at should be at all major um, retailers. You might need to order them in. And if you missed any of those places, we're going to have them all on our Twitter feed at Curl Call Show and on our website at curlcall.com. Adam, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today and for telling us all about this. It was really great talking to you. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Hopefully we can chat again in the future. I think that we will. Everybody, stay tuned. We have to take, take or take or twake, whatever, a quick break. And we'll be back with more of Curl Call in just a couple of minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now let's get back to more of this week's Curl Call. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We reach the 
everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Roll Call. We are moving right along here with the second half of the show because, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun, I guarantee you. My next guest is a talented actress. She's an Emmy-winning producer. She's one of the hosts of The Soapbox with Lily and Martha. She's, oh, a director for Madonna. And she's <laughs> all, all around really nice person. She is Lily Melgar. Lily, welcome to Kroll Call. How are you? Oh it's amazing God. to have you here. I'm, I'm better now. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me on again. You are such a good interviewer. It's, it's always a blast to come on to your show. Well, thank you. It's, I have to say it's also a blast coming on your show, even if it's the once a year when I'm wandering out there for the Emmys, which means, you know, <laughs> look for me on, uh, on the soapbox probably at the end of April. Can't wait. Going to be exciting. Oh, I anyway. can't wait to have you back. So there's, you know, every time we get together, I feel like there's all sorts of things that are going on in the world. And I wanted to start off talking about some of all of these things. I've been scouring the internet. I've been looking to see what people are talking about. And one of the biggest things, Lily, that people are talking about today is that Adele has a new album out. It's called 25. What do we think of Adele? Have we heard the album? I haven't. I've been working. What do we think? What do we think of Adele? <laughs> Adele, man, she's stuck in the past, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. She's absolutely brilliant. But her songs are so depressing. You know, it's like it's always about this ex and how painful it is. And makes me like wonder how many triggers goes, go off on people, like making them think of some ex just to feel along with her, with her song. No, she's amazing. She's brilliant. I think everybody's so happy to have her back. Um. But yeah, tearjerker for sure. A lot of people have said that they're happy to have her back because it means that they can stop hearing about Taylor Swift for a little while. I don't know that they're in competition <laughs> with each other, but this is what I'm hearing. Like, oh, thank God, I was getting tired of, of Taylor Swift. Now Adele is back and she's, hello from the other side. Like that. I mean, she's singing better than I can, but that's what she's doing. <laughs> well, I would never compare them. You would never hear me say that because I would never put them in the same genre or category but you know um mainstream radio does have a way of overexposing the same music and artist over and over and over so maybe that's what people are meaning i'm not entirely sure what people mean but it's interesting that you <laughs> mentioned not comparing adele and taylor swift there's something else that i wouldn't think of comparing but a lot of people do and it's star trek and Star Wars. Now, there's a new Star Wars coming out uh, early December. I don't know the date. I will admit that I haven't seen any of the Star Wars films since I was like six or so. Are you a Star Wars-y person? I mean, are you going to be the one that's camped out to get popcorn and stuff to be at the first show when it opens up at midnight? Or are you like me and don't get Star Wars? Well, first of all, I would never camp out anywhere other than my home or... <laughs> Good. Good. Or like, you know, the, the, um, up north or something fabulous or Yosemite or something like that with the family. But um, Star Wars, I'm a huge fan of the classic Star Wars. You know, it kind of lost me when um, they did the new stuff. I just didn't get as into it. And between you and I and obviously everybody else who is listening, I'm way more excited about the new Rocky movie. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of am. Uh, that's where my heart is at. 
So let's talk about that because uh, one of the, the star, Michael B. Jordan, started on All My Children. Little Reggie, he's not so little Reggie anymore. Of course, I have a, a soft spot because it takes I place in Philadelphia. That. He did. He was he was the adopted son of Jack Montgomery, who was Erica's long running. Uh, Beau, sometimes married person, sometimes they were just shacking up. Um, yeah, he got his start on All My Children. Well, isn't that amazing? I mean, so, most people get their start on daytime. But yeah, I'm really excited about Creed. I, I, uh, if, I, if I was into camping out, that's the movie I'd camp out for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you keep talking about the camping out, and I mean, I mentioned it first, let's talk about something that other people will camp out for before we get into all of the fun stuff that you're up to. Um, people camp out for Black Friday shopping or now Thanksgiving <laughs> shopping. People yeah. love to get there early. They love to stay in line. They eat their Thanksgiving meal outside the Best Buy. Black Friday shopping yeah, to me is underwhelming. I've been one of those. Um, I saw a preview to next week's Jane the Virgin and I found it just that they're actually touching upon that on that episode, the whole Black Friday thing. Can't wait to watch. It's not something I can connect to. I'm more of the Black Friday online shopper. I already started shopping online. I already got some Black Friday deals going on. So I do it in the comfort of my own home. Um, I tend to do it in bed, in pajamas, with a big smile on my face. But Easy, slow not- down, lady. Hold on, this is a family show. <laughs> but I'm not the girl that likes crowds. Oh, God, I just don't like it. So what have you bought, can I ask? I mean, unless they're listening, people are listening. It, can you be vague? I mean, what sort of Black Friday deals have you found? Let me just tell you that I did the BB Black Friday already. I bought, like, the 70s-looking... Uh, grayish silver jumpsuit that I cannot wait to wear and this faux fur um, coat that is just so 70s, so stylish. I cannot wait to rock that. You can't have Black Friday, Lily, without Thanksgiving. (laughs) Thanksgiving is next week. I'm going to venture to say you you have a lot of things that that. you're thankful for this year. I got an email that said Black Friday sale starts today and I just jumped on it. Well, I mean, all right, I'm 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 fine with that. But you know, let's let's dial it back. There's a lot. For, there's a lot of things that I bet you're thankful for this year. Oh my God, yes. But um, what was the question? Just in general, I'm guessing there are a lot of things that you're thankful for this year. Absolutely, it's been an incredible year. It, I have never been more creatively fulfilled than I have been this year. And, you know, that's without saying the obvious, my family. I'm just so incredibly grateful for my husband and my daughter. Uh, that's number one. And to add to that, the gift of being able to do what I love and to stretch my acting muscles, my directing muscles, my producing muscles, I am on a creative high. I'm, I just feel so fulfilled this year, and um, I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. It's a lot of muscles that you're over there flexing. <laughs> you're hilarious. <I> love <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So let's dial back to April, end of April, the Bay. 
wins a daytime Emmy in the Outstanding New Approaches drama series. Saw you backstage after the you know little walk-arounds and the photos. You were incredibly moved. I mean, you were you were very emotional. Take me back just, to just hearing you say it made my heart skip a beat. <laughs> like, oh my god, I I just did not expect it. I did not. Um, allow myself to get hopeful in that area. So it, um, God, it, it just hit me like, like a lightning bolt. I mean, straight to the heart, straight to the heart, because it's, it's been a passion project for all of us. We've put so much love and, and time and, um, you know, Michael Fairman said, you're like the uh, choo-choo train that can, <laughs> that mm. could. And that was like the best analogy. Um, you know, we, we started early on when the whole web series thing began. Definitely. And you know the challenges of no budget. So uh, what do you have when you don't have budget? You just have a lot of heart and a lot of passion. And it's, it's, been, it's been a while for us of uh, putting in everything that we can within the means so it meant so much to everybody. You know, Gregory J. Martin has had this vision and these characters alive in his head since he was a little boy. So wow. you could just imagine, you know, how much love has gone into this little choo-choo train that could. Well, if no one has ever seen this little choo-choo train, I have to say <laughs> that they need to look at the trailer for the new season that starts on December 1st. It is is amazing. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I mean, it is it's it's sort of wow. I mean, it's not just sort of wow, it's kind of a lot of wow. I have tears in my eyes right now. I mean, seriously. It, it, oh, can you believe? Can you believe? <sighs> I'm so proud. I am so incredibly proud of where we're at. Uh, again, you know, can you hear me? I can, yes. Oh, oh sorry. I, I felt like I lost you for a second. Again, um, winning the Emmy was such an incredible moment for all of us. But once, you know, that settles, then comes in the reality of the responsibility that comes with winning an Emmy. Like, you better step up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, this just got real. <laughs> this just got real. So, Everybody worked really, really hard. And um, just last night, I had a conversation with Gregory, and he said, you know what, this is the first time since the Bay was created that he's been able to say, it's exactly what I envisioned, what I wanted it to be. Because again, you are so limited with lack of budget, you know? It, it, you may have something in your mind in your vision may be one thing, but the reality of bringing that vision to life may be limited because of lack of funds. And that's just the way it is. So, you know, winning the Emmy helped us out in that department. We, had, we got a little bit more of a budget, as you can see. And um, we were just having that conversation. And he's like, it's the first time since the life of the Bay that it's exactly what I want it to be. And as the creator, I can only imagine how he feels, but as a producer and as a lead actress on the show, I feel exactly the same way. It's the first time that I'm like, hey, guys, this is our baby. What do you think? <laughs> you know, I want to share it with the world. 
I want you to share it too. And I know that Gregory will track me down and throw me into a bay if I allow you to say too much. But (laughs) (laughs) I need to get something that we can tell people. Let's give them a little bit of a nugget. Let's give some sort of tease. What can they expect come December 1st? I mean, it's not that far away. What can we expect from from the next batch of the bay? Tease, please. I think that, you know, the trailer did a really, really good job at visually showing you what to expect. It looks stunning. Um, It it just looks like a different show. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just mean like, I feel like we jumped on a trampoline and elevated to that much of a next level. So it looks great. I think everybody brought their A game. And let's begin with the writing. You know, the writing is the best that it's ever been. I feel, um, you know how sometimes it takes a bit for the characters to get flashed out and for the stories to kind of take a life of their own. I feel like that's where we're at, where everything just fell into place. You get the characters, you get the storyline, um, you get engaged. As for me, I have a rape storyline. We were trying to keep that um, under wraps, but I don't know. I think it was Jade. Hey, Jade. (laughs) It was Jade. spilled the beans on that one. But I have a uh, rape storyline that's the most important storyline I have ever had the honor of bringing to fruition. I took it very, very seriously, and um, I put my heart and soul into it, and I'm so incredibly grateful that, you know, Gregory, A, took that on to tell that story, and B, that he put that in my hands. So um, that's that's what I can share with you as far as my storyline is concerned. The Bay, the series.com. You can go there now and get caught up before December 1st and come December 1st. That'll be the place to go to get all the information and to watch. I have to talk about something else that people may have seen as um, a woman with, oh, you know, cone bras has made her way around the world. You, <laughs> Lily Milgar, I, I mean, I, I can't even believe that I'm saying this. It's kind of amazing. But you directed a video for Madonna's Rebel Heart Tour. How did this come to be? How did you and the Vogue Master, how did you get together? How did this happen? Well, um, I have been directing video content for major concert tours for, I don't know, like maybe eight years now. The, The first one that I did, well, it's been 10 years that I've been doing it in the sense of I was co directing some of it. But my directorial debut was the uh, Spice Girls reunion tour. I actually got to direct the opening video for that concert. And that was huge. And then, you know, I got to do um, the Britney Spears uh, short films that they played throughout her concert. And I used a soap actor. Um, I used Randolph, Rudolph Martin. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I got Randolph from. <laughs> Rudolph Martin. And he was <laughs> fantastic. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to work on MJ Cirque and J-Lo and just all these wonderful things. But, and I had gotten to co-direct some video content for uh, previous Madonna tours. This was the first time that I got an actual piece that I got to shoot and obviously work with the editor and put together. And, oh, my God, I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> and I got to do it for La Isla Bonita, which just happens to be one of my all-time favorite Madonna songs. And if you saw her concert the video screens behind her, that's what I got to direct. And um, I could pretty much die and go to director heaven at this point. 
Well, we're not going to let that happen because we have to talk about <laughs> something that was hugely controversial in the day. I don't know if it is anymore. It probably pales in comparison to things, even to like American Horror Story. The sex book. Do you remember Madonna's sex book that she put out? I think the question is, could you ever forget Madonna's <laughs> sex book? <laughs> that is the question. Did you have a favorite page? Did you have a favorite pose? Just kidding. I, I mean... <laughs> Did oh. you really? <laughs> okay, well, since you've already answered it, what was it? What was your favorite, uh, you know, you photo? Hitchhiking naked. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that's probably that's the, probably the most memorable one from, from the book, I would say. Oh, God, it was just stunning. I mean, you go, girl. Would you ever hitchhike? I would never hitchhike, but would I take a photo like that? Maybe. <laughs> if I look that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ooh, no, hitchhiking. Okay, and I would never pitch, pick up a hitchhiker. That just sounds like... No, 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 no. No, I, I'll only act in horror flicks. I won't create one in my own life. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. So all of these things put together, it's sort of like a sweet smell of success to me, but that is not yet a scent on Scent by Lily. So... Oh, if look at success, you. Nice segue, mister. <laughs> what would the smell of success smell like? If you were formulating it, what do you think you'd put in there? I think I nailed it with my signature scent. I really do. My signature scent is a blend of white tea, ginger, gardenia. You've got the fresh, you've got the floral, and you've got the flirty and what does that all do when you mesh it all together? It makes you feel good. And that's what success smells like to me. The sense of feeling good. You know what I mean? No, I definitely do. I mean, it's sort of, you can equate it to taking the shower when you feel fresh and you feel clean as yeah. opposed to, you know, after the gym when you're feeling kind of grubby. So, no, exactly. I definitely get that. And I think that see, people who are listening get that. Scent in it. That is citrus, which I won't reveal what it is because obviously it's my secret scent. But there's a little citrus in there, which just brings it all together, and it just makes me so happy. Oh, that's what it smells like. So it's called uh, it's my by Lily Day scent, and it's I'm not kidding. You know, I, it's so hard to be the one saying it because it's your scent, but it's like. It's almost like being proud of a child, you know? It's like, I did good, guys. I promise you. It smells so good. <laughs> you will love it. Let everybody know where they can go. I mean, if they're, they're going to want to smell it now. So where can people go to yes. buy this so they can smell just sort of like you? <laughs> well, you know, but that's the thing. It smells differently on everybody. Because I don't use any alcohol in my fragrances. So it's an oil and it's an all natural oil base. So it kind of blends with everybody's chemistry. So I've been asked, why would you want to share your signature scent with the world and have everybody smell like you? And I'm like, because they're not going to smell like me because it, it, it'll smell differently on everybody's chemistry. And you can go to lilymelgar.com. Lily is with two L's, L-I-L-L-Y, M-E-L-G-A-R.com. And you can get it there. That sounds like what everyone should be doing because we're almost out of time. I have a speed round. Now, you guys, meaning you and your cohort in crime, Martha, yeah. like to do the <laughs> would-you-rathers. So I've got a couple oh, in the speed round for you. I'm so happy because she oh, she never includes me. She only asks the guests. And I'm like this 
oversized, overgrown child that always wants to play. I love games. So I was like, I hope Dan has a game for me. Yes. I do. Are you ready? Let's do this. I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather work the checkout at Walmart on Black Friday or never be able to shop for anything ever again? Oh, that's not fair. That's just wrong. That's what the whole point of this game is about. <laughs> can, can my husband spoil me with gifts so I don't have to shop? Is that, is sure. that included? <laughs> sure, that'll be fine. <laughs> okay, then I'll never shop again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you rather appear naked at the Super Bowl halftime show or only be able to wear the same outfit or clothing for the rest of your life? Oh, I'll be naked. Really? That was simple. You didn't even mull over that no. one. I, I mean, no. then again, we, I can't we've wear all the same s- thing every day for the rest of my life. That's just wrong. <laughs> and we've all seen you, at least with clothes on. So, yeah, it's probably, uh, probably the right choice. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather twerk or Vogue? Vogue, baby. Vogue. <laughs> You're not a twerker? <laughs> I got to get someone to get you to twerk on your show. We only have about a minute left, so I have to leave with this one. Your favorite Thanksgiving food. Oh, God. That's so hard. I know Probably it is. Probably um, my garlic parmesan mashed potatoes. That sounds amazing, and we will expect a recipe posted somewhere. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to share. <laughs> well, just take out the secret ingredient and, you know, tell everyone. Anyway. All right. So we have about a little bit of time left. I need for you to close off by letting everybody know where they can find you on social media, the website, all of those good things. Hit them with well, it. Well, I have a couple of things that I need to say. Can I like throw them out there now? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So um, Christmas and I got to direct the new opening sequence. For title sequence for The Bay, the series. So look out for that. I think you guys are all going to be happily surprised. It's really, really cool. You'll see, uh, you'll definitely see that touch of the music video world that um, I got to bring in. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, there's rumors that going around that uh, I had something to do with directing the series. I did not. I did not direct the series. Gregory J. Martin directs The Bay, period. There's that. And then two, check out my shorts. I did two shorts. One where I play a... Um, mysterious seductress that's all i'm going to give you and the Mm -hmm. other one where i kind of dabble with life after death and to see those you can go on the youtube page of hans carillo hans carillo is c-a-r-r-i-l-l-o hans carillo the director youtube they're called scarlet and boo check them out they're very short and i think you will enjoy them and um i'm at at Lily Melgar on Twitter, on Lily Melgar on on Facebook, and on Melgar slash Lily One at Instagram. And I've got my website, LilyMelgar.com. Check it out. Well, Lily, I want to thank you so much for making some time out to hang out with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're the best. Well, for those of you out there who want to hear more of this show or if you missed any part of it and want to hear it again, head over to CrowCall.com. All of our shows are there. They're in the archives. It's available free to listen. You can also go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. That's also free. We'll be back next week, the day after Thanksgiving, with our special look behind the scenes of Crawl Call with all the folks who make the show happen. And they'll be picking their favorite earworms, so you'll be singing those for your whole holiday weekend. Until then, remember, though, that the next time the phone rings, pick it up. It could be the Kroll Call.
Stay tuned, everybody. We will see you next time. Yeah.